and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Flying Changes Mindset and Performance Show with me, Jenny Winterleach, and today I'm joined by the lovely Rebecca Jackson. Hi Rebecca. Hi Jenny, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We've had a couple of technical hitches today, so we're here. It's all good. Um, some might think it's a blessing that you couldn't hear me, but <laughs> it's not ideal on an interview. So, Rebecca, tell us just a little bit about yourself and what brings you to be sat um, chatting to us today. Um, oh, gosh, what brings me to be sat talking to you guys today? Um, my back I suppose my background is um in um high high performance sport so I was um, an elite swimmer um when I was a teenager um I stopped all that when I hit 18 though and went off to uni um and through that journey really um of, of sort of being in high performance sport um we didn't really focus on any um any mindset stuff or performance psychology stuff and um I, I finished that when I was sort of 18, um, went to uni and suddenly realised there was a whole life outside of, um, you know, high performance sport, competitive sport. And um, then sort of spent my, went to uni, spent my sort of 20s and 30s building a career. And um, I then found myself in sort of 2018 after, you know, working really hard doing jobs that I absolutely loved. Um, being in a situation where um, I was being faced with redundancy again from you know from a job that I absolutely adored doing and in a really toxic work environment that had a huge impact on my mental health um leading to the fact that I was essentially um diagnosed with um uh, anxiety and low level depression um all relating to you know the, the trigger for that was work related stress and the environment I was in at work um and I um removed myself from that environment and then uh, set up my own company um so I'm now ooh two and a half years into that journey now um, and absolutely loving it but recognizing that a huge part of that journey was um, related to uh, improving and working on my mindset um, and I've got two horses um, I've got the the wonderful uh, my grey uh, competition horse who's owned by my mum um, called Trot on Tommy and he is um, an absolutely wonderful horse he's so talented um, and we are taking him up the levels now so he's just um, competed at novice at British Eventing um and I've got the lovely James Rockford who is um what who I call my project pony um although he's 17 hands he's absolutely huge and um to work with both of those has meant that I've had to really recognize that I didn't have all the tools that I needed in my my tool belt really um to to kind of really make sure that I was performing at my best and I didn't actually have anything to fall back on particularly from my um, competitive swimming career um, because we hadn't really um, needed to go down that route um, when I was um, swimming um, and I was relying heavily on the stuff that I'd done through work but I didn't really have all of those tools and I came across Jenny and so I have joined the, um, the Eaton Ambassador Programme and have been blown away by the impact that it's made really in terms of just being able to get back out competing um and you know just recognizing that i got that gap in my skill set really that i hadn't got anything to fall back on um that i just came came hunting for something and, and found a jenny which was great yeah. and the awesome about jenny bless her i mean it is about jenny but actually it's finding the community of these and that's been the, the, the biggest difference you know to recognize you're not on your own really 
Yeah, absolutely. And so, wow, I mean, what what an incredible journey you've been through. Like when you when it's funny, isn't it? When you sit there and you say it back, you think flipping heck, like mm -hmm. you're not asked very often, are you? You're not asked very often, like what have you been and what have you done? And when you just relay it back like that, you think, wow, that was a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely was. I think when I kind of reflect back on it and you know, I try to be really reflective and because I know it's, yeah, you know, I work with um, childcare uh, practitioners. So we talk all the time in work, if you like, about being reflective and thinking about, you know, the journey that you've been on and what you can learn from that. You, you know, you can always learn something from every experience that you've been through. And I always try to. But when you do look back on that journey and and recognise, you know, what you've been through and and what it gives you in terms of skills and experience to draw on, but also where the gaps are and what you're missing, it, you know, it is huge. And, you know, I've learned so much from the experience of being unwell with my mental health um, and the the kind of the, the shock of that actually happening to me, but considering myself to be a really, you know, well-rounded, resilient person with lots of strength and, and being, you know, kind of, that person that nobody expected it to happen to was quite a, a shock really um a shock for everybody around me but also a massive shock to me that I couldn't just cope um but learning from from that experience has meant that I actually am way more aware of of where things might get on top of me where I need more support um the people who are around me who can provide that in different ways because you do need support in different ways um and, and kind of really recognising that it's something that I now talk really openly about. I talk really openly with it about uh, about mental health with my um, my clients, the people that I work with on their success journey, but also kind of really recognising the impact of it on my performance with the horses and how how much they gave me and having that structure to work to, but also to fall back on with the horses was incredible. And it really, really massively helped, but also led to me selling one of my horses um because my my mental state my performance statement i wasn't able to i was asking unrealistic things of him and my trainer um the wonderful tuffy tilly she said to me she was like actually really got to sell him because the two of you can't work together anymore yeah. and I'm amazing home now it was absolutely the best thing for both of us but you know it's those hard things that you have to kind of go through that hard those really difficult times, I, you know, proper broke my heart over selling him, but it was absolutely the right thing for both of us. And you can look back and recognise that you've got to have those those trusted people in your life who sometimes tell you the hard stuff that you have to kind of go away and, and think about and listen to. You know, I'm mean, so lucky to have so many people in my life who who really did kind of pick me up all in different little ways. Everybody contributed and helped me in different ways to get over that. But you kind of have to to recognise that all of that has an impact on where you are now um, and, and all of that has a part to play in terms of my mindset around performance and with my business as well now. So, um, yeah, you're always looking back to go forwards, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you don't want to be stuck in either place, really. It's, it, life is about balance, isn't it? It's about looking back and seeing how far you've come or what you've overcome or what you've learned or what you'd like to do differently or improve upon and looking forward to how you're going to do that, what you need to put in place, what you need to learn, what skills you've got to get. And obviously, you're very resourceful. You 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 realise things and think, right, what can I do about that? It's very kind of proactive. But when you were in that really toxic work environment, and you were undergoing, you know, you were under stress, your mental health perhaps wasn't that great at that point in time. What were kind of the things that were happening to you that you maybe 
now know about but didn't at the time if there's anyone out there thinking oh that's not me and actually it, it is because like you said everyone was so surprised to hear it was you you know what are the kind of maybe signs or things that they might be aware of or things that you noticed at the time that were just the little red flags that you're probably ignoring until they they got really big um I suppose I was I'm always because you come from you know coming from a background in competitive sport you're always juggling aren't you you're always like chucking all those balls up and and fitting everything in and and kind of just managing to make everything happen really and I one of the things that I kind of reflect on now and, and recognize is that I'm, I was always trying to control something if things weren't good at work I was always trying to control things at home and make sure things were sort of really um on point at home really um that everything was running really smoothly and my poor partner bless him you know he he got it in the neck so many times because you know a glass wasn't put away properly or whatever um so i suppose a, um a trigger for me where things aren't um kind of where I, things feel perhaps out of control in one area of my life i i know that i start um overcompensating in others and that was a lesson that i learned that you know if things were feeling completely out of control at work um or i wasn't coping or i didn't feel i was coping at work and i wasn't able to perform at my best at work because of the stress i was under started like overcompensating man micromanaging everything elsewhere in my life um i also really um found that my sleep pattern was interrupted um I'm, I'm notoriously a brilliant sleeper you know i will get into bed and about 10 seconds later i'll be completely zonked out and i would sleep through the night but my sleep pattern was massively interrupted um i would wake up with racing thoughts um i would be uh overplaying conversations that i'd had trying to um trying to um, perhaps strategize in my head how I would handle conversations, um, how I'd handle things at work. Um, and one of the things that I found really helped me with that was, and I'm now completely addicted to, is listening to audio books. Um, so I would plug my earphones in and listen to a story, which gave my brain something else to focus on, so that I could actually at least go back to sleep. Um, and that was a that was a massive trigger. And now I, I recognise that if I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Um, by all the things that are going on, I know that I'll wake up with some racing thoughts, um, particularly, you know, sort of early in the morning. Um, so you do, you know, you learn all the time about those little triggers. Um, ha my emotional reactions to things also were um, were heightened. So um, I was really lucky at work to have an amazing team of people that I worked with. So the, the team that I, I led were fantastic. But I ended up being in a position where I would bring all of the stuff that I was trying to deal with into the office. I would bring all of that stuff with me. I'd end up perhaps oversharing with them because I just needed to get it. I needed to talk about it. Um, I needed to get it off my chest. So I would end up bringing in reality in reflection probably not being quite as professional as they should have been because i would share that stuff with them with the team that i was leading so my leadership was impacted upon um and, and that would lead to the point of me completely breaking down and being in floods of tears and and all sorts in in the office which again you know didn't lead to a great work environment for them so i you know thinking back on it i know that had I had some some tools, had I had a little bit more awareness of what was perhaps going on at that time, which is always difficult because you don't always recognise it, um, I would have perhaps been able to handle those in a different way. Um, but again, you know, recognising that I'm perhaps not 
responding in a, in the most sort of emotionally level way is is something that you know now I would recognize as a trigger and I everybody's really different um and I, I don't suppose that those those triggers would necessarily or those happenings would necessarily be the same for everybody but for me those were certainly sort of three of the the key things really that I would rec would try really hard to recognize now if I'm feeling a bit stressed a bit overwhelmed um a little bit like things are getting on top of me that those are the things that would be a bit of a key kind of um a key trigger really or, or a key reflection now to say hang on a minute this, this balance isn't just quite right um even last week thing I was feeling a little bit pressured at work and and my emotional responses um particularly at home weren't where they needed to be um and, and my partner says to me he said do you know do you think things are a little bit unbalanced at the minute do you need a little break and of course I bit his head off you know that's what we do and I'm like oh maybe that's a thing um so you just you know, for me, those were some of the the things that, on reflection, would have been red flags. But um, I think everybody's different, aren't they? Really, you, you know, we all respond yeah. differently, don't we? Yeah, everyone does definitely. But I think you know, there's some key things there, which is your emotional response seems in, in, um, out of kilter with the situation. Um, seems maybe a bit irrational. You know, when when those sort of things are coming up in anything in life, doesn't necessarily have to be in work that's definitely one of those times when you think oh hang on a minute I just flew off the handle because someone put the the fork the wrong way around in the dishwasher you know and you think well I'm not really that upset about that now am I normally that would be fine what else is it that's going on why has that tipped me over the edge and you know things like that at work like um, you know someone someone um hasn't put the you you didn't put the attachment on the email or something and then you have this massive dramatic overreaction to it or what have you and you think well hang on that's coming as a result of the fact there must be other stuff going on right now. And, and knowing that that's the case, I think that's really key. Absolutely sleep. Sleep is often one that, you know, it's it, whatever your normal sleeping pattern is, if that then becomes different, then that's a sign. Um, and I love, you know, the control one. Obviously, I don't love it. It's not a good thing. But knowing when you're trying to massively control other things, it, you know, you, it, that is what happens when we're in panic, we're in fear, we're in stress. We just try and get some semblance of control back from wherever we can get it um, and like you say that will then sometimes be that um, maybe you spot it in your riding maybe you've suddenly become really controlling in your riding or annoyed or angry or upset or you know everything has to be perfect or you so you know you can't cope your horse does the slightest thing that it you know normally do but you can't deal with it you think oh hang on there's something going on here mm -hmm. so so looking back you can see all that stuff now but at the time when that was going on what was the point at which you thought oh, the, something's got to change. Like, I've got to make some big decisions, make some big changes, or did that happen to you? Because what happens is when we're in these situations, one or two things are going to happen. Either we somehow realise, and often that comes from, like you say, external help, someone around you going, mm, something's not right here. That was certainly in my case. Um, and we think, oh, right, we're going to have to make a change. Or something happens that means that we have to, like we get made redundant or actually we get let go from the job or our health gets to the point where we can't do it or something like that what was it for you that was that pivotal moment where you thought mm, no it, it's funny really because I was in full fight mode I was I was fighting for everything I was fighting the whole process that we were going through at work um I was in I was in full fight mode um and it was actually a conversation um with um 
one of the the, the team from the union actually um, who who said to me um, I'd probably broken down in his office and started sobbing again um, I can't really remember quite how it came about but what he said to me he said you need you need a few days away from the situation he said I'm actually you know a little bit worried that it's not having a great impact on you um, he said you know I, I strongly suggest that you go home and you go and talk to your doctor and suggest that they sign you off for a few days for a week maybe um, and actually it was that prompt really from somebody who didn't actually know me at all um who broke through from that kind of you know constantly trying to fix things trying to fight things trying to get stuff back into that sense of order um that really kind of broke through to me because actually then just removing myself from that situation um from you know basically signing off sick for for what I had hoped would be a week, um, actually led to a much longer period of, of me being out of that environment. Um, and it was being out of that environment for that short period of time that meant that essentially I recognised how, how ill I was um, and how much it had impacted on me because I literally couldn't go out of bed for, um, for three days. I, I hid. Um, I really did hide. And, you know, to the point where um, I would stay in bed all day and, and hide under the covers until um, my partner got back. And then I'd jump up and just before he was getting back from work, because I was hiding from him, how, how unwell I was, um, and from my family, probably. I would jump out, have a quick shower and pretend that everything is normal. And I'd just been having a nice day at home. Um, but it was that that push, really, and that for somebody else who didn't know me to recognise that things weren't right there was some perhaps red flags for them in terms of how I was perhaps behaving or how I was presenting to them um that, that then meant that I removed myself and then I realized I just realized how toxic you know conversations with my mum and dad who are you know just you know they're just brilliant in terms of the amount of support that I receive from them in everything that I do um it's conversations with um you know other trusted people like my my trainer um people around me at the time, my partner, you know, and so on and so forth, you know, they just were like, yeah, actually, this is just not a good situation for you to be in. Um, it all kind of pulls together as a bit of a realisation moment. Um, and what I was able to do once I was out of, of that situation for a short period of time was kind of recognise the impact it was having on me and come to terms with the fact that actually, Ultimately, I was being made redundant and there was absolutely nothing that I could do to change that. I knew it wasn't personal, but it also felt quite personal. The process felt personal, I suppose. Um, and recognising that I had no control over that meant that I could free myself from the obligation of trying to fight it, trying to make it right in my mind um, and make the process more right in terms of my values. Um, so that I could kind of just just let it happen because I had no control over it. And and when I look back on it again, you know, talking about reflection, look back on it um, in terms of what that kind of pivotal point was. Um, I've really taken that understanding of control and, and influence and um, really parking the stuff that you have no control and no influence over. That has had a huge impact in terms of how I kind of manage um things that are impacting on on how I'm coping at the moment uh you know really thinking about the things I can control the things I can influence the things that actually I just have to leave well alone and park um that has kind of 
come from that experience really of really realizing that I can't fight everything that doesn't um, serve me well, does, that doesn't sit with my values or within my integrity. Um, I do sometimes have to, to leave things alone and I can't, um, you know, superhero manhandle everything um, and really kind of really filter stuff into um, things that I can actually influence and things that I can actually control. Um, and that's been, oh, I don't know what, I, I know, I can see you smiling because I know that it's something that you you teach all the time and you support us to understand. But, you know, sometimes you have to kind of reflect back and, and recognise that, yeah, I was just trying to fight the fight stuff, um, trying to get people to, trying to get all those little things to, to line up in a way that sat comfortably with me. Knowing that, knowing now with hindsight that, you know, I had no control over that situation or like I couldn't fight it. I couldn't change it, but I was still learning while trying. Um, and now, and it's funny because now it's something that is so, um, is so core in terms of the values that I have in terms of how I work with people, but also in terms of how I run my business and also how I try because it's harder with your personal stuff, isn't it? How I try to make it, um, I just try to kind of recognise that in terms of my personal life and stuff outside of business and stuff with sport. I mean, why do we go events? Everything is uncontrollable, <laughs> you know. It's, it's and I know that it so doesn't fit with what I've just said. But you know, in my sporting life, the stuff I love doing, my hobby, if you like, almost everything in that sport is uncontrollable. There's too many variables. Um, yeah, it's funny. And actually, that. Yeah, it definitely is. And that brings me to my question, which I really wanted to know about, which because a lot of people listening into this are, you know, they might be seeing some of this in themselves, you know, they're in hard jobs, they're trying to earn lots of money to look after horses. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be stressful, like jobs can be stressful. That's one of those things. But how much is too much is kind of the question, really. So what was happening in your riding, though, at the time when you were stressed? Because I know from my experience, like, I was horrible as a rider. Like my mare, I had a mare, she'd just look at me when I'd turn up. And of course she was on, you know, part livery and things. So I would literally just turn up to ride and be like, you can bog right off if you think you're coming near me today. And she was horrible to ride. And she never, she wasn't like that. That's not what she was like. She was just, she just didn't want me on her back. She was like, you're horrible to be around, go away. And and that was really influencing my competition and my scores. And of course, I was going out and being like, I worked so hard for this, I've got to do well. That was my experience of it. What was what was your experience of the effect that it was having on your, your riding, your eventing when you were stressed with other things? And that's supposed to be your release, your time. Oh, it's a really interesting one because um, Russell, my, my sort of, my horse at the moment, he was competing at novice. He was really ready to, um, to jump uh, an intermediate um there was no way I could go and do something new there was absolutely no way that I was in I could have um been in the right headspace to to even attempt being brave and doing something new um like you know jumping an intermediate which is still makes me feel a little bit sick um he were we we had actually entered um the one star as it was at the time we'd entered that twice over that period and and actually really bizarrely and I know you find this um really funny Jelly, um the mind-body connection I'd actually broken um my hands and um, this bone here um, on one hand on one year and then the next year I did this hand exactly the same break just before I was due to go to each of the one stars that I'd entered um, and 
I guess I won I always wonder now um whether or not that had some kind of um impact in terms of the, the connection between your mind and your body and where my head was at was preventing me from taking that sort of next step really. But in terms of my sort of my day-to-day riding and the, the stress I was under, um my my trainer said to me, she said, um, and, and I've never forgotten it, she said, You are you are trying to control everything. You when things go wrong in your life or things are impacting on in your everyday life um they come through to your writing and she said what you try to do is to think twitch your left ear five degrees to the right and therefore it will happen and you get cross if that won't happen and you start almost attacking um in your riding to you're almost falling out with a horse over nothing um and and she was right of course she's right you know trainers are very often right um when they're right for you and she knows me very very well so I was I was doing that shutting down thing I was doing that controlling thing trying to control absolutely everything without recognizing that um Russell um was a horse um had his own mind you know the brain between you and the floor and um to be fair to him he put up with an awful lot um and, and tolerated an awful lot from me bless his heart um and he he was a bit of a saint really um but in term, it came out more in competition rather than at home in training. Um, I actually drove from, we live in um, just on, in the North Wales border. And we drove up to um, compete at Warwick Hall, um, which is up in Cumbria. And um, I, I actually completed the dressage test. It wasn't a great test. I wasn't terribly pleased with it. It was okay, Mark mark wise but i knew that we could do better i went to walk the cross-country course and had um an overwhelming fear um of of dread that that descended on me um and actually by the time i got back to the lorry park i had a full-blown panic attack in the lot in the lorry park um and i was I'll, I'll always be grateful to um the friend who was with me at the time for you know just packing up and driving me home and, and making sure that we were all okay but in reality um I didn't have the resilience to deal with anything that went wrong. And in my head, I had um, I was only focusing on the things that were going wrong or could sorry go wrong in um, my rising. I wasn't even able to tune into any of the positives. So now looking back at that dressage test, for example, I know that it was OK. Um, it wasn't the greatest performance, but it was, you know, it was an average performance, particularly given the amount of stress that I was under. Um, and. I can pull out the positives now and I'm, I'm, I'm very good at identifying the things that go well in a performance now um, but at the time I couldn't see through that at all um, and I was only focusing on the negatives only focusing on the things that, that would potentially go wrong so even though I've, I've sort of jumped 10-15 novices at this point um, and you know it was perfectly within our comfort zone in terms of being able to get around safely and have a nice time. I couldn't see past the potential of that going, um, things going wrong at each of the fences. I didn't even walk the show jumping, you know, because we didn't get to that um, to that stage. Um, and I think that the two things, I suppose, in terms of my riding was trying to control everything, trying to control, you know, all, almost things that are unfair and, and, and really focusing down to teeny tiny details and obsessing over them in many ways um, and not being able to kind of see through that, think about 
okay, I can't get perhaps enough left bend here. Maybe if I do a little circle, use a little flexion, for example, that will improve the way of going. The, the, the solutions that you have to find when you're riding or training um, to, to sort of improve things as you're going along. I couldn't do that. I just couldn't, I didn't have the men mental um, width to be able to do that. Um, I couldn't think further than what was happening right here, right now, and the thing I wanted to achieve. Um, and then with competition, I just absolutely couldn't focus on anything that had gone positively. I, I could only focus on the things that had gone um, wrong or could potentially go wrong. Um, and, and I'm really fortunate that that didn't sort of that didn't prevent me from going back and competing there again. Um, you know, I, it's, I love the venue. I, I'll still go back there. We, we're due back there in a couple of weeks now with Trot on. Um, but and I've been there since and competed there since and it didn't impact on me. And I thought, you know what, actually, that's a massive tick in my in my mental achievement box of having been able to get over you know, what was a really scary experience. Um, but being able to kind of move past that and, and go, OK, I'm aware of it. Um, I'm going to keep some you know, eye on how I'm feeling, but I'm all right. It, I'm safe. It's fine. Um, and I guess, you know, for me, certainly it was just that sort of hyper control that I was seeking in everything. Um, that was certainly, you know, the biggest thing. And I'm so lucky that Russell didn't just, you know, pop me on the floor and say, don't be ridiculous, mum. You know, you can't, you can't, can't control that. You know, he is an absolute sense. But I know that for lots of other people that, that, that their horses aren't quite perhaps as tolerant as I was lucky to have. Um, but also I had, you know, I had Tommy as a four-year-old um, who was just so different and almost um, because he was different, because we didn't know each other so well, that, that I couldn't think twitch your right ear five degrees to the left and expect him to do it. Uh, you know, it gave me a different focus with my riding because I was doing something different. He was unestablished. I had to really think about how I rode him. So two very different horses, you know, and I'm really lucky that um, that I had both of them um, and that we actually bought Tommy in the, um, in the middle of me being unwell. So it gave me that different focus. It made me ride in a different way, which I'd like to think didn't impact on Russell quite so much. Um, you know, he's still doing a brilliant job for his new jockey. So hopefully I didn't um, ruin him too much by being so controlling. Yeah. I think it's really interesting though, isn't it? That, you know, classic story there of it's not just your riding it's everything else in your life that influences it. We like to think we can compartmentalise, you know, I'm at work now, I'm riding now, I'm at home now, whichever it is. And you just can't, your brain doesn't do that. It's running the same patterns, it's got the same stuff going on. And I think it's really interesting when people come to me and they'll say like, oh, you know, I had a panic attack, um, I want to get over that, I want to be able to compete and things. And they think I'm literally just going to deal with the fact that, what do you do if you have a panic attack? You know, what are the tools you can do if that's going to happen or to stop it, ideally? No one ever expects to get to the level that we get to of looking at the whole life, looking at everything else that's going on, because, you know, you've just said there it, it, it's not one thing. And so if at that point in time you had said, actually, I think I'm going to I'm going to go and find someone to, to do to help me with the competition nerves and things. What, what do you think you'd have been expecting at that point? Oh, I'd have been expecting some kind of magic fix. I definitely have been expecting that somebody could kind of say, um, uh, you know, if if you start feeling these, you know, feelings of existential dread that, you know, everything's going to go wrong, um, you know, think about sunny skies or something like that. You know, the, almost the cliched stuff that you expect from um, 
or, or you expect you might expect from sort of, sort of mindset work and, and the sort of the healing nature of what um what comes with that um i definitely would have expected it to perhaps be a little bit more fluffy um and to, to kind of then need to you know just have perhaps a couple of tools in my toolbox for when that particular situation occurs rather than actually what I've realized with mindset and performance psychology and, and really working on all of that stuff is that it's not just one tool that you need a number of tools to be able to kind of fall back on and actually it's not something that you just do once you do it almost all the time you work on it all the time you it becomes part of like layers of an onion almost that you peel back one layer and you go oh hang on that might be a thing I need to examine a little bit more as well um but I do I do think I would have expected to just kind of um have a pattern of thinking perhaps that would have snapped me out of um sort of getting that 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 response um to to, to feeling panicked to feeling anxious um but I but well, I know you, that you'll say it's not that easy. <laughs> it's not just one thing because you don't you you sort of peel all those little layers off, don't you? And there's more stuff under there that you've got to deal with. There is, and I mean, as much as it can be as simple as having that tool in that moment, that's the tool you need. You need to have the whole toolbox so you're not trying to, you know, nail in a screw with a hammer, um, or you know, screw in a screw with a hammer. It's it's knowing what tool and when, and and that's the point of learning about mindset, isn't it? It's it's not a case of this tool for this and this tool for that. It's like this is quite helpful in this situation, but actually this one might be, play about, see what works for you. So what has been your experience then since you've been, because you joined us as an ambassador in January, yes. um, having, we'd never worked together, um, and then and having had the elite child athlete as a swimmer, you say you never you never had any of this mindset work, that, that just wasn't a thing back then. What, what's been your experience of all the things you've been through and, and being on the team recently what's been your experience of being as part an ambassador being part of flying changes you know having the coaching things like that uh, it's been amazing um the if um, um i talked with my mum my and dad um about this a little bit because um obviously you know i was a teenager when i was swimming and um i think it would have had a huge impact in terms of of um a little perhaps a little bit more longevity in, in terms of my swimming career um in terms of supporting the performance if i'd have had that if i'd have had a jenny in my life back then um i i you know we could have perhaps achieved even more um and that's not to say that i didn't achieve well we really did um both myself and my brother really achieved well but that wasn't without its hurdles and you know testament to my mum and dad who um instilled an amazing sense of um self-belief in us um and and actually gave us quite when i reflect on it now knowing what i know actually managed to give us incredible guidance as as athletes um without having a sporting background or anything like that themselves um you know they, they did a, a cracking job in terms of supporting us from a um a performance mindset perspective um, so I think it would have made an absolute huge difference to us um, back then. Now, having joined, having joined the team, and I, I'm not sure, Jenny, I might have told you this, but I might not have. Um, I actually came across the ambassador program for the previous year um, and, and half applied and then didn't actually have the self-belief back in 2019, it would have been, um, to, or 2019, 2020, to actually um, hit submit on the application form um to be an ambassador for for reason for for the work that you do um and 
I've done some mindset work I, um, through the, the coaching stuff that I've been doing in terms of supporting my business growth. So I recognise to a certain extent the impact that it could have. But I also do think that when you come across people and perhaps you follow them on um, you follow them on social media or you listen to them, you, you do a little bit of research in terms of, you know, what do other people say about them? You look at testimonials um, to help you work out whether or not they're the right kind of person to support you on whatever journey you're looking for and um for me it was uh yeah i followed jenny for a little while now i need to i need to actually do this i'm really ready to to translate all this mindset stuff into my performance with horses um my experience of having joined the community is that um that the community that's been built around eden is incredible um the amount of support that you get from each other um, from the other members of the either the ambassador program or the the wider Eden program, I'm actually I've even signed up to the masterminds now, so I'm I'm fully in um, in terms of this transformational journey. But what I've kind of realised in in my journey is that it's really important to have the right kind of people around you, um, but that you also can protect yourself by picking and choosing what you kind of um, which parts of that community that you you listen to which parts of that that you sign up to which parts of that that you engage with um and the the flying changes the the ease and community is amazing because you can engage at whatever level you want to if you want to sort of sit back in the background and just take things in for a while um there's no judgment there's absolutely no judgment um from from the community and that's what makes it really wonderful there there are people who need more interaction, who are more chatty, but there are also people who kind of sit in the background and take things in and, and then take that and apply it to themselves, which is a little bit how I interact with it. Um, the coaching that I've had from Jenny um, has, has actually been amazing. And I suppose I had this perhaps naive um, view that, um, that the coaching would, would, would kind of be kind of very black and white. Um, that Jenny would talk to you about um, some techniques or, or, or some uh, uncover some things and you'd have this lightning bolt moment where you'd suddenly realise that's a thing I need to work on or, or now I'm fixed. And I, I perhaps still came into um, working with Jenny as an ambassador on from that perspective, really. And actually, it's been more sort of more evolving. Um, Jenny sort of guided me through some some stuff I clearly needed to work through and has given me some tools and has helped me do a little bit of um, rewiring in my brain. And actually, it's just been more of a gentle process. And I haven't had, you, you don't have these sort of, well, I haven't had these necessarily like lightning bolt, oh, you're fixed in this area moments. Um, but what I have noticed is sort of subtle differences in terms of um, my competition nerves. Although I'm not going to lie, when I did run my first novice with Tommy, Tommy last week, I was still very nervous and I was using all of my techniques for my life in the back of the lorry. Um, but it's kind of a process that um, that has, has been so gently supportive um, for me um, that I haven't felt pressured in terms of engaging at any level. I've been able to join the calls around my working commitments um, and I've been able to catch up and I've been able to sort of lurk in the background a little bit, um, which has all meant that, you know, some of my perhaps self-confidence wobbles have, um, have been kind of not not recognized because it's kind of inherent in the way in which um the program does that but i've been allowed to kind of just just see how it feels and and kind of gently step up 
to um, to joining in a little bit more. Um, and that, I suppose, is the beauty of it being a group coaching program is that you kind of can hide in the background that until you're feeling more comfortable to do the one to one stuff, because the one to one stuff is is more intensive. But um, I know that because it's one to one, you can you can be quite open um, you can sort of um, share some of that the very honest wobbles that you're having or the very honest worries that you've got um without without feeling judged without um feeling like you're saying something silly um that's certainly been my experience um but the impact of it in terms of how i handle competition how i handle working my horses um but also more widely how i how i recognize um some of my triggers how i recognize some of my wobbles um has been has been huge um, and it's come very quickly as well. Um, it probably it wouldn't necessarily be that way for everybody, but it has come really quickly in terms of the work I've been able to do with Jenny. Um, you know, we front loaded some of the um, the mind the one to one coaching, so that I could go out and and get back to competition after a break last year for COVID. Um, with confidence, really, without feeling, you know, super sick with nerves, like particularly over the show jumping. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm still. I just. Well, I have an inkling why, um, but being able to to put those tools in place has meant that I've been able to sort of you know get back out competing, and, and we've done four events in four weeks um, to to kind of really get us back um, with a bang, to be honest. Um, and I even at breakfast for the first event, I had I actually had two breakfasts, which is unheard of in my world. Um, and just having all of those sort of tools off the back of. Um, working with Jenny um, has been amazing. It has been um, been real confidence building in such a short period of time. But I suppose that also what you've got underneath that one-to-one -one work is that lovely group programme through Eden that um, is hugely supportive of an amazing bunch of people um, from all different types of backgrounds as well. We've got people who who are who are trying to get you know very um, very everyday riding tasks are a hurdle for them or who, who where they need support with that but there's also people who are looking at you know their competition performance as well so it's a massive variety of people in the community um you know there really is a place for everybody in it um it, it's been the most uplifting experience in many ways huge team of cheerleaders behind you as well um you know we all celebrate every single um every single thing that happens with our horses whether that's a a, a minor achievement or a major achievement or whether or not it's very much the sort of the the um the everyday stuff that happens with horses that you know makes you feel rubbish or you just have to kind of get back up and and dust yourself off and go oh you know that's horses for you it's just the community is the key and you know i like I've, i think i probably said it a few times already having the right kind of people around you choosing your tribe really uh, or being choosier with your tribe perhaps has been um has been a real a real realization for me in terms of my own journey but feeling like I belong and feeling like I fit in as part of the Eden family really um it is testament to the work that that you've built Jenny you know you've you've created that community or you know the boundaries of that community certainly to to help us all feel like we do belong yeah. Well, well, thank you. I'll, I'll pay you later for that wonderful testimony. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is lovely to hear that 
I mean, I've always talked about the importance of community, but when you're in it and you're in the right one, then you really get it. When you're in the wrong one, it's like pfft, load of nonsense, really. You know, what what why they're bleating on about community, they're just a pain in the bum, aren't they, people? But actually when you when you when you're in the right one, it's fantastic. So um let, let's have some fun then. Let's do some quick fire questions for you. Oh yeah, okay. What is the biggest misconception that people have about you or assumption that people have about you? Oh, that this. <laughs> this being for those on the podcast? For those on the podcast, this is my hair. Um, yes, I am naturally blonde, but that does not mind I'm a bimbo. <laughs> awesome. I got that one too. This is natural. Natural curly blonde hair. Must be. Okay. Must um, sorry? Must must have no brain cells. And actually, um, famously, somebody did ask me if I was there to take the minutes once in a, meet, in a very strategic meeting. I was like, oh, no, dear, no. <laughs> oh, dear. We still get that. It's crazy, isn't it? That, that still happened. Okay. I got that once. I was um, I had a um, co a consultancy uh, role, global consultancy role in a big telecoms company, and I turned up to a corporate event once. And of course, I was in the corporate kit, and it was one of these big kind of charity event with all these footballers. People I actually didn't have a clue they were. They're all like football celebrities and golf people. And I don't do football or golf, so I've no idea. And um, someone turned around and said, "Oh, you know, can you go and get me a drink, please?" So I was like, "Well, I can." um and and they said oh sorry you know uh i thought i thought you were here you know to to support the event i said well i am here to support the event yes as as a global talent consultant and they were like oh, <laughs> i'm so sorry i was like no it's fine don't worry it happens <laughs> so funny and then and then you can't watch them backtrack quick enough it is it is quite amusing um okay so what is the biggest challenge or difficulty that's turned into your biggest learning Ooh, it's got to be the control thing. My biggest learning has absolutely, well, oh no, can I have two? Um, the the control, controlling what you can control and recognising what you can only influence and parking the rest. Um, my mum, bless her heart, has been telling me this my entire life, but actually recognising when that's not um, always a always actually within your um your power to do and actually making it really happen is is um has now become a real strength of mine and it's something that I, I support lots of other people in doing um and I did want a second one and I can't remember what it is now I will oh you clearly didn't need the second one it'll pop up it's fine it'll pop up okay so what are your overarching goals now what are you working towards in maybe your writing and your career and whatever but what are they what's your what's your why um my rising goals are that um i want to uh will take tommy to two star at blair um in august that is our aim we're frantically trying to get him qualified before the um ground gets too hard so we're um that that is my overarching goal is to go two star and i have promised jenny that i will actually get my tailcoat out of the tailors where it's been for about four years um so that is my um my riding goal for this um this season um my um i've got some pretty big business goals my ultimate business goal is i i want to hit um six figures in turnover for my business which is for just a little person um, with um, a little, well, a small business, um, a work from home business, an online business, that is um, a big goal for me. Um, I suppose what's my my personal goal, because um, that gives me one supporting one um, one business and one personal goal is um, 
So I actually get to our wedding date um, next year now um, after, what, I think 19 years together with five, my, myself and my partner Warren, we're actually getting married. So that's actually making that happen in a global pandemic um, is, is a fairly big goal. So um, we, yeah, managed to wait sort of 18 years to actually make it happen. And then only we could get a global pandemic, which stops that from happening for another couple yeah. of years. So that's, yeah. personal, that's my personal goal. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I suppose it's around wellness and, and keeping myself level and well and happy is really important as well. Absolutely. We, you know, whatever you believe about life, whether you believe we get one or not, even if we don't, you, the one you're in right now, you might as well enjoy it. Yeah. You know, totally. absolutely. So who has inspired you along the way? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> the strongest person that well, I've got two incredibly strong women in my life. Um, the strongest person that I know, my absolute um, inspiration is my mum, my mum muse, as I call her. Um, who's always, 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 always got my back, um, and that and that goes to my dad as well. So, my, but I would call my mum my my biggest inspiration. She's never let anything sort of stop her. She's fiercely, annoyingly independent, um, and has and you know has, has turned lots of adversity into her um, you know into her great strengths. I also have the amazing Tuffy Tilly, who is my coach um, and dear friend, who is the you know never met a stronger person um but i suppose she and she's had a huge influence in me personally and over my writing as well um i i'm really inspired by people like um michelle obama um who you know just has such grace in everything um you know and, and i love I've read her book and I think she's just she's so inspirational in terms of pulling together disparate parts of society and fighting for with with grace you know fighting with grace I think is um is something that's incredibly important um and and I'm a, I'm a massive Brené Brown fan as well the woman is is amazing and um yeah some of her um some of the quotes from the reading that I've done of her of her published works and listening to her podcast as well, you know, really has inspired in terms of rebuilding my confidence in terms of leadership, um, something that I always thought I was really good at and then had a massive wobble over. Um, but also in terms of how we live a wholehearted life and how, you know, it's important that and my favourite one, I suppose, is um, you know clear is kind being really clear with people about expectations um and that that's the kindest way of dealing with people really um it helps when you're um when you're actually trying to remove negative things from your life um or to stay clear of that i think that one served me really well so those are two um more abstract inspirations um all women though strangely yeah probably some more I, I find it really hard to pick just a couple. I'd like to give you a great big long list. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Four is enough. <laughs> or three. three. No, it was four. It was four. four. Awesome. So it's been absolutely fascinating listening to your journey, your story, your inspiration. You're going to be one of those people for others. Absolutely. One day someone will say your name and you'll cry. Mm. Um, you know, and what what's next? Where where What's next for you? Oh, um, I don't know. I just, I've got, you know, <laughs> I know I have to have a plan. Sorry, Jenny. Because um, okay. you work the plan and you keep turning the plan and you consistently work towards the goals. Um, 
what's next? Um, the business is going really, really well. Um, who knew that when everything else is falling apart, I could see that as an opportunity to really strengthen. Um, and what I kind of realized through that is um, that I get so much joy out of serving um, the people in my audience, the people that I work with. I get a huge amount of um, joy from other people's success. Um, so the business is going really, really well. I'm really enjoying working with a variety of people and creating new things that help people as well. So that's more of that um, is, is what's coming next in reality and um, working on a massive uplift in the business at the moment. So, um, so that's coming next from a business perspective. Um, from the horses, probably loads more pictures of us com competing with pulling silly faces and, and you know, joyfully shouting, oh my God, you're amazing as I canter around the cross country, hopefully. Um, and, and just, you know, more um, of getting back to the sport that I just, is so annoying, but I absolutely love. Um, more having fun as well on the outside of it, more doing things like farm rides and um, more sort of other fun stuff, more laughter with the horse. It's not just taking it all so seriously all the time, you know, making sure there's a good balance with that. Um, yeah, just doing more stuff that brings you joy in your life and really and keeping that balance keeping the balance is really important for me making sure that we are um as a as a family doing stuff that is is fun as well as, as well as hard work and not tipping it too far the other way um and also not biting people's heads off when they point out that we might be tipping it too far the other way um <laughs> and probably more apologies then as well but yeah more more of the good stuff in life is the um is the plan certainly awesome I think the pandemic's really helped people reassess that as well. Certainly, like you say, a lot of people, when you're on that treadmill and you don't realise when you're forced to take that pause and stop, you know, not event for a while, not do things for a while, not do what you love. And for those of us with online businesses, um, which, by the way, you can absolutely do a six figure. It's done. No worries. It's all good. You know, um, when you plow into that, because that's the thing that you can do and you've got to love for it. It's, it's incredible. So. Cool. Well, I mean, wow. What fantastic. Looks like lots of fun ahead. Be great fun on, with the team and, and in Eden. And so if people want to get hold of you or ask you any questions or follow your journey or your story, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I tend to hang out on um, Facebook predominantly. I'm Bex Jackson on Facebook. Um, you can just find me. I'm consistently posting and liking stuff in in um, in, in on the Flying Changes um, Facebook page i'm yeah. trying to think which one you have um and also i'm world of blonde on um instagram as well so if you like looking at lots of pictures of pretty gray horses um and randomly of my food sometimes as well um i'm over on instagram like that but mo mainly on facebook awesome cool world of blonde on instagram and bex jackson on facebook awesome well thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure having you and hearing what you've got to say and um you know it's going to be great fun and i'm sure lots of people are going to follow your escapades and everything you're up to and yeah the ups and downs of eventing life and running a business so thank you so much and we will speak soon yeah thanks for having me and i hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as i did if you want to listen to more of them then please do follow us in apple in google and on podbean Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us, and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye, everyone. Ooh,